Temp check. What kind of summer are we having this year? A family road trip summer? A beach bum summer? Or a wake me up when the sun sets summer? With Instacart, choose your own adventure and skip the shopping side quests. Where available, you can get ice cream delivered to your hotel, sunscreen to the pool, or cold brew to your bed. Well, door. In as fast as 30 minutes. Wherever you find yourself this summer, you can get the goods. Download Instacart for free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum $10 per order. Excludes restaurants. Additional terms and fees apply. What say you, Richard Ellett Murdoch, are you guilty or not guilty of the felonies wherein you stand and die? Not guilty. How shall you be tried? By God and my country. The exact time when Paul and Maggie Murdoch were murdered. At the end of the investigation, it was obvious. I'm not here to work with them. Okay. And the whole point is to have this not fall in the wrong hands. This case is unique, it's unprecedented in South Carolina history. Welcome to Unsolved South Carolina, the Murdochs, Murders, Money, and Mystery. I'm your host, Ann Emerson. I'm here with our exclusive legal analyst, former South Carolina Attorney General Charlie Condon, and our executive producer, Drew Tripp. We are here today to talk about some of the latest revelations that have come out um, as a result of the scandal uh, surrounding the Colleton County Clerk of Court, her office, and everything that has transpired seriously over the last coming up to about a year now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, we have we have talked about uh, the jury tampering allegations on this podcast already, that uh, these allegations that Becky Hill, the clerk of court, is facing right now. Uh, we understand now that there is an ethics complaint, and we can now definitively say that there is at least one ethics complaint against Becky Hill. We got a copy of it today, and that's what you're holding right now, Charlie, is a copy of that uh, ethics complaint that went to the South Carolina Ethics Commission. Now, that complaint, and we now have our own copy, so we've been able to look over it and also look at the authenticity of it once again, um, was that she used her political position and authority to obtain confidential information. Uh, It alleges that uh, Hill uh, took digital or allowed digital photos of Alec Murdoch just before the verdict was read in his jail cell from a surveillance camera. Um, And then it also talked about tours to the Colleton County Courthouse Um, These are all allegations, of course, that are being made in a complaint, a complaint that we are still not privy to, according to the South Carolina Ethics Commission. So to just be very clear, this is something that we have received uh, anonymously through a source, but we have been able to verify the authenticity of this complaint. Uh, and, And to look at the timeline of this complaint, of course, this was June 26 when this complaint was filed with the Ethics Commission. Um, and then uh, once it was filed in July, we now understand that there was a uh, the charge of wiretapping with that involves her son, Jeffrey Hill, uh, which we're going to get into. I'll just put a pin in that. But that was in July, July 20th, to be exact, this wiretapping charge um, within the Colleton County 
situation. And then that August, this is when uh, Becky Hill responded to the ethics complaint was in August. Now in September, and it's very important to kind of go through this timeline right now before we get started, because September is when she was involved in the, mo the retrial hearing motion filed by the Murdoch defense team, Jim Griffin and Dick Harputlian for their client, Alec Murdoch. This is important because when that was filed, I have now had an opportunity to speak with Jim Griffin about that filing. And what he tells me is he vehemently and categorically denies or even says that he had any knowledge of this ethics complaint because, of course, as soon as this ethics complaint came up, against Becky Hill as it sort of surfaced or got leaked as soon as information started coming out about her son, Jeffrey Hill, being involved allegedly in some kind of wiretapping scheme and a broader corruption probe that's going on. There was a lot of questions. Was this, you know, maybe on social media out there in the world, rumor mill, would this have been orchestrated somehow with the Murdoch defense team? Griffin says categorically he denies it. He just denied it to me within the last hour, uh, telling me that absolutely they, they knew nothing about this. They found out like everybody else did. When he filed the retrial hearing, he actually uh, was asked by media, who's representing Becky Hill? And he gave the name of the attorney. Unbeknownst to him, that attorney was representing her for the ethics complaint, hmm. not the allegations of jury tampering. Hmm. So that's where we are right now as far as uh, the timeline. Let's kind of go back a little bit and talk about, Drew, you've got some information about the wiretapping. Should we just go ahead and jump into that where we put a pin in it, the July 20th wiretapping charge? And what can you tell me about why we here at News 4 have been uh, reporting very uh, specifically that there could be a tie to the ethics complaint with this wiretapping charge? Right. So uh, one, one real quick clarification on the timeline. The allegation that we have all come to, that is publicly known at this point, is the wiretapping involving Becky Hill's son, Jeff Hill. Uh, he was the technology director for Colleton County government. Um, he, had, he was privy to the internal communication systems, uh, phones, emails, all of that. That on July 20th this year, there was an incident where he is accused of wiretapping and listening to phone calls of who we now know to be his direct supervisor in the county administration. The actual charge, that happened the end of November, uh, a couple weeks ago, a week of Thanksgiving actually, where SLED formally charged him, it was November 21st I believe is when that happened, SLED formally, formally charged Jeff Hill with one count of wiretapping and they released a very limited information, uh, an affidavit that said essentially he was eavesdropping illegally on a phone conversation of a coworker. Through the process of making phone calls, talking to people, uh, just good old fashioned uh, journalistic uh, shoe leather legwork, we were able to get someone to speak to us with direct knowledge of what's going on and what has precipitated that original charge, more details about that wiretapping charge, and confirmed to us definitively, based on 
their knowledge of everything that's happened and what's come to light with subsequent SLED investigations that the wiretapping incident followed the ethics complaint and was, based on evidence that's been discovered, believed to be directly as a result of and tied to that ethics complaint against Becky Hill. In that, Jeff Hill, her son, county technology director, was listening to conversations among county administration, specifically trying to find out information that was being shared internally in the county about the ethics complaint and then feeding that information back to Becky Hill. Okay, that's a lot. Uh, I hope everyone's tra tracking there. <laughs> I did, it was good. Um, yeah. that, that we confirmed this week. Um, it, it had been rumored and alluded to. I, with 100% confidence, spoke to someone who would know and would have direct knowledge of what's been taking place, and they confirmed, yes, that's, that's, that's the connection. That's why, this is a, that's why the charge against her son and the announcement we got last week um, from, uh, it's been over a week ago now. It was December 5th. Yeah, that mm -hmm. we got from the 14th Circuit Solicitor's Office that they were requesting the State Attorney General's Office to impanel a grand jury and assist in the investigation into a broader public corruption probe in Colleton County. And the solicitor, Duffy Stone, confirmed to me, yes, that does involve what happened with Jeff Hill. Uh, and they went to the Attorney General's office and said, hey, we need you guys to assist here, compel testimony, um, essentially that the grand jury has broader investigative powers. The state grand jury has broader investigative powers than our circuit solicitors do in the, at the county level. They can compel testimony. They can subpoena. They can basically do a more thorough investigation. And upon making that request, within a few days, uh, the attorney general's office said, we're going to be assuming jurisdiction, uh, prosecu prosecutorial jurisdiction over this uh, investigation. It had started... Initially, according to the solicitor's office, the 14th Circuit's solicitor's office, it had started initially as part of a joint task force they have uh, with the First Circuit. Uh, First Circuit would be Dorchester and Orangeburg counties. Uh, 14th Circuit would be Colleton, uh, Hampton, Jasper, Beaufort, Allendale. Uh, they kind of work together on a lot of cases, and they have that joint task force. They were originally investigating this, escalated, this escalated it to the state level. Um, and that is very, very serious. <laughs> uh, we, could, uh, we could say that, that, I mean, there's now a state investigation into public corruption, and we now have it definitively this week that, that the behavior of at least one person in that, uh, in that scandal is tied directly back to Becky Hill, that one person being her son. Um, and I have some more information just to, just to give a little just to give a little more on that. Um, we we know that, and I reported, and I've got a deep dive, long written article uh, on our website abcnews4.com that I posted earlier this week, and in that I mentioned as part of that investigation, confirmed Becky Hill's county issued cell phone was seized by SLED state investigators, and is now in state custody as evidence hmm. pursuant to that hmm. pursuant to that state investigation into the public corruption probe and the wiretapping what i wasn't able to report at the time that i can now is 
part of that evidence, okay, what, what definitively made the, made the connection for investigators that this is what was going on here, right? The, the accusation being that her son was spying on his coworkers in, in the county government and feeding information back to Becky. Essentially, it wasn't just wiretapping of phone calls. It was an email, at least one email, likely more, that was relayed, the contents of which were relayed, believed to have been relayed back to Becky Hill. And the timing being serious and conspicuous because I mentioned Becky's county cell phone was taken. We now know and have, have been reliably informed that that cell phone, about the time that the county got wind in, in July, about the time that county employees got wind that something was not right and grew suspicious that they were being spied on internally, there was an email sent, and the same day that email was sent, Becky, who, as part of her elected position, she was issued a county device, a county cell phone on the county cell phone plan. We informed Becky, when that happened, transferred her pre-existing personal cell phone number and transferred her line, basically, onto that county phone plan so she could keep her number. We would all do something like that. We would all hope to do something like that. You had, a, you had the same phone number for, golly, how many, how many years? You don't want to lose that phone number and have to go through the process of, hey, every contact in my phone book, pretty much, like, understandable. Transferred the line onto the county plan. Well, when this news comes out about, hey, there's something fishy going on here, the evidence shows that on the same day, apparently Becky went to the phone service provider and transferred her phone line off the county plan and back into her personal <laughs> back back to her personal oversight, uh, essentially. Hmm. To her own plan. Yes. Okay. Transferred the number off the county plan, and that that in part is where the dots become connected, and the further information where it's apparent that information is being sourced back from this apparent wiretapping scandal and it, the information is making it back to Becky Hill. That's the level of seriousness we're dealing with here, where we have a county employee spying on internal county business, uh, allegedly. And, and allegedly, and then feeding it to another in county employee and what, what's more, that county employee happens to be his mother, who we now have confirmed is the subject of an ethics complaint. We're going to get more into that ethics complaint and the substance of it um, yeah. in just a moment. But, I mean, that's... That's the gist, huh? Yeah. Uh, that's the gist of what we're dealing uh, with. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a huge deal. And, and I go more into the actual... The actual complaint against Jeff Hill in the online story, but I mean, it goes beyond it gets just, sorted. yeah, uh, there's right. allegations of harassment beyond just the wiretapping. Um, and that's where it gets really in the weeds and really uh, scandalous. Uh, and I just need to clarify for the sake of us. And I know we have a much broader <coughs> audience. We have a much broader audience than just the Walterboro Hampton Charleston, Somerville, 
region, right. Beaufort, low w- the low country of South Carolina. I know our audience is much broader, but I, I want everyone to remember who's listening to this. We are a tele- we are our we are part of a television news operation uh, in a broadcast television news operation in Charleston, South Carolina. Walterboro, Collison County, is part of our coverage area. Um, Hampton, really not so much. Beaufort, not so much. They're a little bit outside of our actual broadcast zone. We do cover them to an extent when the when it's newsworthy, but Walterboro, Colleton County, where this alleged public corruption it has occurred, it's directly in our coverage area and something, like, understand TV stations, broadcast TV stations, we exist with an, uh, with an FCC license and an FCC mandate to provide a public service. And to that includes government watchdog reporting. So that, that's why we really felt compelled to dig into this particular aspect of this, of what's going on with Becky Hill. Because, I mean, it, it's, not, it's not just that we're feeding what we now know to have become a national, international news story and with tons of attention on it. This directly impacts taxpayers and voters in our public service area, mm-hmm. <laughs> we're man- we're obligated to serve, mm-hmm. and we're not point, we're not going to we're not going to back away from that. Um, we're not going to back away from that anytime soon, just because it, it, it impacts. It's, there's broader implications, right? Because Becky is an elected official; she elect the clerk of court in your county in South Carolina is elected. <laughs> yeah, and and we're we're paying the bill. Exactly. Yeah, and if there's behavior like this going on, that we're we're now obligated to stick with it and see where it leads, even if it's uncomfortable. And because right, it, it, what we're about to all about what we're about to get into here, and I and I'll I'll step off my soapbox here. I have taken accountability for this. We all have to acknowledge this. And you'll go back and listen to past episodes of this this podcast and what we've reported, and hear us glowingly praise Becky Hill. And thank her for, the, for what she did for us and what she's done for uh, our colleagues in news and uh, the job they did in Walterboro making that Murdoch trial highly successful from a logistic standpoint. And it, it, all of our personal interactions, we can, to, to a person sitting here, as you're listening to this, me, Charlie Ann, we can say nothing but great things to say about Becky, kind, uh, wonderful interactions. But that's the double-edged sword of what we do sometimes. It, it, there's, it's, not, it's not that we want to be pursuing this and going with uh, uncomfortable and potentially salacious, salacious details, but it, it is, yeah. it, the, and this is such a that's cheesy a line, point. but it is what it is. Well, it's a good point, Drew, and thank you for bringing that up because I think that we need to – Those both of those points were incredibly important with that this is part of our viewing area, so this is something that we need to be doing. And everybody that works in, in – as local journalists, as many of there are of us left in the world, mm-hmm. have, to, have to stay vigilant um, no matter how much you like the person or, right. you know, right. that, that is in this elected – you know, uh, been, been there up, up close and personal with mm-hmm. that whole mm-hmm. scenario as the South Carolina Attorney General, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it is a double-edged sword. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What do you take away, Charles? I mean, you just got that, and and, you, and everybody did that. This huge uh, sort of outline of you know basically what we've been mm-hmm. hearing, seeing, being able to claim, confirm, talk to people. What do you think about what's unraveling? right now 
A couple of reflections. The um, the Murdoch case, as we've talked about many, many times, has so many twists and turns and developments. This one, to put it sort of in the pecking order of things, it's as surprising as any because we did think, as we saw the trial unfold, that the job was being done just so professionally and just so well done. So we had the jury tampering allegations and there's back and forth on that. Now the, you know, one natural thought would be, well, this is a defense plant to further muddy the waters. That apparently is not the case from what we can tell. And so then you start stepping back, well, what, what what's the, the motivation here? And it looks to me as if the motivation would be a, a son trying desperately to help his mother. Right. But you would have thought or would hope to think, and again, these are allegations only at this point, that that cooler heads would prevail relative to what may or may, may or may not may or may not have been done. But if it goes where it potentially could go, I'm just starting to think what the impact would be upon the evidentiary. To me, the main focus in the Murdoch trial is going to be the evidentiary hearing that we think will come maybe springtime, early mm-hmm. winter. February, March is what I'm hearing now. Mm-hmm. And so, but it does keep on creeping towards spring. Every time I ask the people in charge. Yes. It creeps one more month yeah. closer to spring. Yeah. So we could yeah. be looking at March now. Yeah, I always thought that hearing was going to be what I call a credibility hearing because we have two divergent views, and who do you believe? Now, I think it is true that any of these allegations don't directly impact upon Becky Hill's credibility, so to speak, mm-hmm. uh, but they sort of do, right? I mean, they sort of you start thinking about it. Well, if you're going down the path of tampering with a jury, what kind of person would do that? And so now you're thinking, well, so what's admissible? I'm sure the defense is thinking, well, let's see if there's a way we can admit this. And of course, they—it's a double-edged sword. These evidentiary rulings—they were the though on the losing end of that in the Burdock trial. Remember that, where they. Right where the prior financial crimes came in, there's a well-known South Carolina rule on whether the prejudicial effect outweighs the probative value and whether it comes into, you know, the, the exceptions to prior bad conduct or prior crimes. I'm just thinking out loud here, but they're probably thinking, well, let's see where this develops, and do they ask for more time to see how this ethics stuff un- un- unfolds? Is it somehow related to the Murdoch case? We don't know what's in the in the substance of all these things. But one question that, that, that did cross my mind when you were talking, Drew, do we know how he, uh, any any information on how the alleged wiretapping occurred as a county director? Is he accessing electronic data or phone lines that he had access to? Or yes. Not? It was essentially... His job, man, too. <laughs> mani- manipulating, manipulating the program, the internal communications programs they use so that he could listen in on phone conversations of primarily his direct supervisor, the deputy county administrator for Colleton County. Um, That's what they're alleging. And it also came out in the wash uh, based on what I was told about the ongoing police investigation, state police investigation. It it has come out in the wash that that also included emails of county administration. And that was accomplished through his position as deputy county, or not, excuse me, his position as director of technology for the county, a mm-hmm. uh, position he's held since February of this year. He's worked in that department uh, since 2018 consecutively and also spent time in the county as an IT technician for a couple of years, about 11 years ago, uh, took left 
went on to other employment, came back about five years ago, and has worked in the county's IT department for five consecutive years. So he uh, would know how to do things. Yes. And so would, the and allegations then, it's, the I guess, the, the son trying to help the mother. Yeah. So the allegations would be that using his expertise and his his position, he then was trying to monitor the county's view of the allegations, the ethics allegations against his mother. Yes. Well, and at that point, the ethics complaint, and we, we should mm -hmm. absolutely go through some of these ethics complaints, because mm -hmm. it, it ties back to what you said earlier, which was why would this uh, hit her credibility as a witness for the evidentiary hearing? When one thing that you heard quite a bit in the jury tampering allegations for the retrial hearing was that uh, it was part and parcel her uh, want for her book to get promoted and published and mm -hmm. seen and the idea that was part of the motive, right? Mm -hmm. um, and this is something that's actually involved with the complaint as well. They, they touch on that point. So we could actually, mm. we can kind of talk about that right now. I mean, you're actually holding the complaint mm -hmm. as far as, uh, as that part goes, mm -hmm. but uh, they talked about how the courthouse was actually um, in the complaint they say that, or the complainant believed it was sort of unfairly available, the courthouse, too much for the, um, for the promotion of not only her book and time with Netflix being on a documentary for Netflix, but also for another local author who she agreed to have time to promote his book as well. So the complainant kind of brings in another local author as well, saying that, once again, the courthouse is being used for time that is not, uh, in this, you know, in the complainant's opinion, appropriate. Mm -hmm. Right. Using so it does. It gets public. right back into the book. It gets back into the book, of the book that oh, Becky the book. wrote. The book. The book that Becky wrote. Yeah, it's amazing how this is all sort of rolled together. And just trying to think in my head, again, this is, I haven't researched this, but just how the fence would approach evidentiary hearing with this information, it appears to me there could be uh, just a lot of potential uses of this to their advantage. On, you know, if, if, you, if you think the, the murder conviction was, was valid, it's unfortunate mm -hmm. because you know, the jury heard this evidence, we heard this evidence, I did think it was overwhelming, and now we've got this jury tampering, now we've got this. It's just really, I don't know, just so sad to see this happening for... Uh, you know, getting off of what happened, I mean, you had two innocent people just brutally murdered, and we had all this effort into it, to this conviction. And now we've got this ancillary um, stuff that's happening that may, in fact, cause that verdict to be overturned. Sad to think about that. Well, it is, and it, it, as far as it, and the amount, talk about taxpayer money. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yes. You know, if we have to go through this again, that's like all. Yes. That, that's extraordinary. Yes. yes. And, yeah. and you know, and. The other thing, now we're looking at another major investigation um, that the AG's office is going to have to oversee to some degree. Statewide right? grand jury, right? Um, right, and an ongoing criminal investigation into the actions of Jeff Hill. Mm -hmm. it, we're looking at more money it's, pouring into mm -hmm. uh, this. Mm -hmm. Do we think Creighton Waters is going to run this investigation? We don't know. We so. don't know, and they've been very clear not to tell us. Uh -huh. One way or the other, right, Drew? Right, and uh, you would, uh, it, it would follow that Creighton's, the state grand jury division, due to their 
intimate involvement with other aspects of this case, they likely would not. Um, just, I, I, it would we certainly can, carry yeah. the appearance of too close to home uh, yeah, conflict of right. interest there with everything else going on for them to also investigate this. Um, mm -hmm. And even, even the same people from SLED who, who've been involved in other aspects of the investigation, it would seem like they would have to find completely new people to come in and take a look at it, uh, uh, with what's going on, just because of how close all of it is and how... Uh, right, it's how intertwined. Well, I will say the state does have the possibility of saying this is completely separate. It's not involved with the jury tampering. Let's keep all this out. Let's keep it simple. Something tells me, though, that the defense is going to be working overtime. That's why the natural thought would be, well, they're behind this because it helps their case. And I right. have to think that it may well indeed be quite helpful. Audible is the destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Allow your imagination to be piqued by stories that are brought to life through captivating sound design, eerie soundscapes, and dynamic performances. As an Audible member, you'll be able to keep your heart rate up month after month because you can choose one title a month to keep from the entire catalog, including the latest bestsellers and new releases. If you're in the mood for a shocking psychological thriller, check out None of This is True by Lisa Jewell. Embrace brand new exclusive thrillers from bestselling authors who are guaranteed to keep you gripped. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash thrill or text thrill to 500-500. That's audible.com slash thrill or text thrill to 500-500. Um, well, it, it, it certainly is, and once again, like when I when I spoke with Jim Griffin, he was absolutely very clear about when he right. He's heard not behind us at all. Yeah, that he he would he did not if he didn't hear about it until September about the ethics complaint against Becky and found out about it by just asking about attorneys. Right, he was you know that is um, if you're to believe that's what went on yeah i mean that's after Golly. the fact yeah putting my that's defense hat on yeah fact. i guess they would i guess they could argue this helps you know the, the the motive for becky to not be forthright in the jury tampering allegations would be related oh sad to think about all this yeah it's I'm there is ahead it? of myself again but is there any way that this would uh how does this affect the retrial hearing is a retrial hearing definitely going to happen or could there be this decision made by the AG's office or does anybody have the right to say, you know what, we oh, don't sure. even need a retrial hearing. We're just going to retry the case. They can consent to it. Can sure. they really? Absolutely. How does that work? Uh, if they wanted to consent to this motion, you would go before a judge and I just can't imagine that they would. In fact, I'm confident they would not because and it's, it's, it's to overturn this jury verdict. I still think the defense has an uphill climb. I do think that. But they may have been assisted a little bit here in a few steps with what may be happening here because it, um, it, I could just think of a number of ways it could come in into the evidentiary hearing potentially. And then the, the central figure of, of the jury tampering allegation, of course, is, is, is Becky Clark Hill. Mm -hmm. And so now she's under this additional pressure here of this going on. And now she's yeah. got her son involved. It just, it is so sad to see, isn't it? Because I do think that, um, my sense, I, you know, didn't know her well. I got to know her during the trial. I don't think she's got like a, a mean bone in her body or, or is, 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 is mean, mean spirit or dishonest or anything like that. I just sort of wonder if the, the events just got to be too much and the fame was just something that maybe clouded judgment. 
And maybe her son got involved to help his mother. He loves his mother. And just a lot of missteps there. A lot of unfortunate uh, steps may have been taken. Again, there are allegations at this point. Right. We haven't right. had anything firm. And so she's entitled to that benefit of the doubt uh, for sure. And we need to give it to her. Yeah. Right. And I, I, I did want to. on that point, are you going to look at the Becky's response? Yes. I, I'm gonna, we're going to peel, peel back those layers just a little bit more. But I, I, you, you mentioned something, Charlie, about Becky's credibility being a key tenet of what a key factor of what might transpire in a, a in a retrial hearing but I wanted to ask you to expand on that just is it going to ultimately be more about the credibility her credibility in the event of a trial or is it going to all what's going to have more weight all this character impugning of Becky or is it going to be the the pure testimony of the jurors themselves and the sanctity of the, that jur, jury verdict? Well, great question. You know, this, we're in uncharted territory here. So the type of evidentiary hearing that we, we may have, I, I will have potentially, because I think the state doesn't want to have one. I think the Court of Appeals has been clear that there ought to be one. But what's the scope of it? Is it merely the court asking questions as the state wants as, in their motion? Or is it a broad-based, you can ask questions, uh, sort of carte blanche and see where things go? But I do think that, that envision it being primarily the jurors themselves, if, if the court allows that, what their testimony is. But they've got to have Becky testify. I mean, she, so she gets. I, she, I mean, is the, she is the witness for the state. Yeah, she, I and she said she did. Nobody else was it. in that room except for, right, mm-hmm. Becky. Yeah, and so so that's a huge problem the credibility of your one. You know, star witness. Be the, she'd be against, the star witness, yeah. Yeah, for the it. retrial hearing. Right. And then you have the jurors who are going, you know, the he said, she said, back mm-hmm. and forth. Mm-hmm. It's very concerning because the state and that's you know, has to rebuild her credibility somehow. Right. And we don't know how that's going to work yet yeah. um, with all of this flying around yeah. in the air. This retrial hearing may have to happen right in the middle of all this. Correct. Like the complaint may not get Correct. totally like. Right. Right, and but there's no evidence, right? There's no evidence whatsoever, right? That 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 the ethics information we're talking about and her son is any way tied directly to the jury tampering. No, it? It, it is not. And, and I'll, I'll, we're going to switch. We're going to switch gears here back to the ethics accusations. Mm-hmm. Um, but wrap up on this as far as the jury tampering stuff. We've said it once, and I've repeated this multiple times. We'll say it again. You cut through. All of the the chaff uh, get through a, a lot of the distractions in the the defenses, Murdoch's defenses, filing and request for a retrial. A lot of it is to stay with the theme that we've talked about here. A lot of it is character attacking. It's attacking Becky's credibility and character. But when you get down to brass tacks of what the substance of the actual accusations are that would speak directly to the outcome of the trial. The defense spoke to one juror who produced an affidavit that said, yes, Becky mentioned, do not believe Murdoch's testimony, don't be fooled by his testimony, and watch his body language. One juror affidavit, I believe it was juror 630. Uh, The state has Mm -hmm. pointed out, we have pointed out all those those other three affidavits they're a little eh, iffy. So if you're talking about what's rock solid there, it's that one juror's affidavit saying, yes, this happened. And in that same affidavit, that same juror says, ultimately, 
my decision was not influenced by Becky. I was, I was yes, pressured by other jurors to kind of get with the program there. And Charlie, we've talked about this on the, on the podcast before, mm -hmm. how that's not really, that's nothing unusual. Uh, jurors deliberate, jurors, uh, th there's negotiations and reasoning and talking, and uh, you're, you're trying to win someone to your side when you're trying to reach your unanimous verdict. Mm -hmm. You've said that that's not necessarily, that's nothing, basically. It's a process, right. Okay. So then we get to the state's response, and the state's response yields, that they're saying essentially what we've said. There's a lot of distraction and noise in this, uh, but what we're getting down to is did anything that Becky did have a negative outcome on, on the verdict? Did it influence the verdict in any way? And in that, they produced their own affidavits of three more jurors who said they recalled Becky saying something about body language to them. Three more who, who weren't interviewed or weren't, whose affidavits weren't produced by the defense team. So now we have four jurors who can recollect commentary made by the clerk of court as to paying attention to the defendant's Alec Murdoch's body language. And the question there becomes, was that commentary in and of itself, whether those jurors say, and all of them, two of the four people, to a man, they say, no, that's not, that's not what swayed my verdict or that's not what made up my mind, comes to the court to decide, well, does that matter? So, well said. I think that's the legal question. Does um, that matter? Does it matter? Uh, and the state contends it, it will, there will be additional evidence and testimony that proves that some of these, even some of the allegations of what Becky may have said with jury tamping are not necessarily 100% true. Um, uh, so it, we'll get to that. We'll now, that. So, so, so again, both sides, we'll right? Now we got to do both sides on this ethics complaint. And, and I just want to real briefly give a, I, I did this, again, I, I'll plug the written story I posted on abcnews4.com earlier this week, headline of which was uh, Colleton wiretapping scandal and corruption probe linked to court clerk ethics complaint source confirms. I'll, that's the you name of the article. Yeah, we'll, we'll, put a, we'll put a link in the bio. Yeah. You can find it on social media. It's on, it's, on, it's on my Twitter. It's on Ann's as well. But in that story, in that written article, I just kind of gave a four, four minor bullet points of what the accusations against Becky are. Uh, really breaking them down, simplifying as much as I can. It's that she had mis misappropriated funds. Um, and we now know that apparently there was a donation made to a fund for uh, new oh. windows in the courthouse, in the historic courthouse building in Collin County. Uh, there was solicitation of funds um, for that. And the ethics complaint that we've now received accused Becky of having the, basically the check for that, the name of the Col name of Collin County scratched off and replaced with her own name and then basically taking that money. Uh, the, the next complaint was neglecting her elected duties. We've, Anna's covered that, talking about the, the Netflix documentary and media appearances, uh, uh, allowing um, our, our friend and fellow journalist Mike DeWitt to come, uh, come in and promote. He's, got, he's written on now, he's worked on two books about all of this, and he's spent some time in the courthouse promoting that. That's, that happened. Um, the other one would be using the county courthouse to engage in commerce. That, again, speaks to promotion of the book. Um, and allowing Netflix to come in and record in there, uh, wanting other documentary and stuff, just uh, general media stuff taking place and, it, and tying back to Becky's book. And lastly, abusing her elected position for financial gain, which is kind of the broader, the broader overall accusation um, in that she used, she 
she allowed access to certain people, such as the uh, the wife of her co-author, Neil Gordon, Melissa Gordon, who provided photography for the book. There's an accusation that Becky allowed spe her special access into the courtroom. It's a lot. We'll, we're going to have we're going to have this ethics complaint now linked up in, in this story that, that's already out there, and we'll get that out there. But all that said, uh, going over all that, uh, we got to give credit where credit is due here. Um, we don't have a copy of this. We were able today, again, uh, and this is how we approached it earlier in the week with, with our original story, for uh, a week now, uh, all the way of Thursday of last week, Anne was able to confirm what was this ethics complaint, one ethics complaint. Well, the authenticity. That, we, that, it, able to get, that it existed and this was it. Yeah, yeah. Anne was able to get it confirmed after it was previously reported by Fitz News, and it is and in, the between, in between time it was reported by the state newspaper as well that the details of the ethics complaint that we're kind of broad strokes going over right now. Um, since then, yesterday, Fitz News again has now published a response. And we also, again, we've spoken to our people and made some calls. We can confirm the authenticity of what Fitz News is reporting. They will not provide us, the folks that we would know to ask for to get a copy of this, they will not provide it to us. Uh, State Ethics Commission being first and foremost on that list as the official agency entity that is handling this, uh, these ethics complaints. Uh, State Ethics Commission, uh, and I want to give some backdrop of to why the people we're speaking to um, have been very reluctant to give us anything as far as uh, actual documents. It's that these proceedings are supposed to be secret. Um, uh, this is uh, these ethics complaints. Uh, any ethics complaint against an elected official in South Carolina is supposed to be so much for that here. Yeah, right? it's, it's right. supposed to be sealed, secret, wrong case, <laughs> public, get not not a, not an official public record right. until the state the state ethics commission policy is that they do a you know an initial investigation, uh, fact finding. They'll have their discussions and, and they'll decide. Okay, is there enough here? that we need to launch a full investigation and have a hearing on this. And if they decide yes, then if they call a hearing and a, a, a hearing on an ethics complaint, then all of it becomes public record. No hearing has been called yet that we, that we're aware of. Uh, the next time the, the ethics commission is going to meet will be next Wednesday, I believe the 20th or 21st. 21st yeah. Uh, yeah. The 21st next December 21st is the next, Scheduled meeting of the State Ethics Commission. But, no agenda has been released yet, so we don't know what they're uh, potentially going to discuss in that. And my point to that is this ethics complaint has been out since June. The response has been published is out since August. We are now in December that we're learning about all of the contents of this. So who knows? Yes. Right. I mean, is it possible that they got have already done it? Like, yeah, they could have already, and I don't. we don't think that that's the case, but... We don't know when or if this is going to be. Like when we reached out to the state ethics commission, they said we can't confirm or deny that this this even exists. So we had to go back. We had to CIA, back channel it right. to uh, we um, <laughs> to find out yes that it exists and that it, the the contents of it are authentic. And we've now had to do that with the, the response that was apparently provided to Fitz News yesterday. And I'll get into that a little bit. And it, which is the the point of the response is by Becky to say. None of these allegations are true. They're all mischaracterized. There's key details left out in the in the accusations. Uh, uh, they're they're exaggerated or they're just mm -hmm. out and out wrong. Mm -hmm. Did you um, find her response persuasive? 
I'll be honest in that I have not digested it thoroughly enough and spent enough time picking it through mm-hmm. line by line. I, I just looked at it, and it, it's pretty direct and to the point, but I, there were some things in there that still – like raise my eyebrows. Like, like one that just sticks out to me is it, it, it was speaking directly to the admission or the accusation. I'm sorry. It was speaking directly to the accusation that uh, that she was uh, accepting money for tours um, and, and not accounting for the money mm-hmm. and uh, and then misappropriating funds that they received. In that response, there's a pretty categorical, you know, no, that's mm-hmm. not what happened. But at the same time, an admission that yeah, well, some of the bailiffs who work for the court, they would accept tips to go provide tours. Um, <laughs> and that one to me, like, that one to me, just like, okay, well, that, why is a government employee accepting a tip? During normal business hours, in other words, the courthouse is opened up and there are tours and yeah. people would. And so somebody will just tip the bailiff? Yeah. Can you do that, Charlie? Uh, and I have to think about that one uh, a long time, but I do think the better practice would be certainly not to do that. <laughs> and then uh, it, apparently, it, uh, again, sorry, and this I is. Yeah. I mean, during. It'd be one thing. Well, you know, it'd be one thing to um, to thank somebody for extraordinary service, it's done all the time, and then later on give them a gift or something, but it almost sounds as if it's kind of a commercial operation, right? It sounds yeah. a little bit. Yeah. And using, a, using the government building, the courthouse. For commerce, and that, that's the that's the underlying uh, thread of the uh, ethics right. accusation. Of course, I guess they're not requiring a tip, so it's, I don't, yeah. I'd have to think through that. I, but uh, it's just you know, it all kind of gets back to the fame here, isn't it? The fame of the trial, right? And um, uh, in those folks' defense, I do think that the amount of attention they got was unheard of. And oh, I'm sure everybody in their church or school or family, I saw you there, I saw you there. And, you know, fame does have a way, right, of uh, people maybe losing perspective and judgment. Uh, and so I do think that if you step back from this, I, th- I think I'm not defending it happening, but I do think it helps with the motivation. They weren't nefarious about this. It was just they got loose with it. They had all these famous personalities in there, and the fame kind of continued afterwards. And uh, you just wish there were... I thank him to this day. I had an ethics officer when I was attorney general of South Carolina, and I always would ask him, and boy, he was Dr. No. <laughs> you, you cannot do that. And looking back, it was like, it was very frustrating, right? Well, what do you mean I can't do that? Well, it's just, you know, whatever. And so it's almost too bad there wasn't somebody kind of over all this, maybe the county attorney, running it by them. Can I do this? Can I do that? And just would say no and no, would have somebody. Uh, no. Yeah, just uh, yeah. Uh, looking back. So the two. And Becky's book, I, uh, I read that, and that was sort of a big thing in her book, right, how she talked about people wanting to come by and see where things were. And mm-hmm. uh, so she wasn't hiding it. Right. No. So I can just sort of imagine the bailiffs being there and someone just being very thankful and giving them a $10 bill or whatever. So it's innocent enough, but when you put it in the context of jury tampering, wiretapping, with an arrest warrant, by the way, I think one thing that is 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 is, is here, which we need to talk about, is the fact that, you know, we got the ethics, which are some softer allegations being made. But, you know, he was arrested for a very serious crime mm-hmm. by the state law enforcement division. So someone in the higher up there just probably, I assume, I don't know where if that's an AG decision or the local circuit solicitor decision, but someone decided in conjunction with state law enforcement division to arrest. So they would know 
where they want to go with this. And so that was a very serious step when I saw that, that this thing has some, some real meat on the bones. Yeah. Now you're fleshing it out. And by the way, kudos to you, Drew and Ann, for the work on this. It uh, looks like terrific uh, investigative journalism. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's been a journey this past week. We haven't like looked up, I don't think. Did you want to hit any more of those points before we wrap up today? I know uh, we've got to go in the next yeah, couple of minutes. I, just just to say again, I, I'm I'm basing this basing the the rebuttal essentially off of what I'm reading secondhand uh, from a article uh, Jen Wood at Fitz News their their online news uh, news website they put uh, essentially a expansive document uh, with that includes uh, what we have been told yes is authentic. Uh, response from Becky Hill's camp uh, to all the, apparently there were two ethics complaints against her. We, uh, we have been able to confirm and uh, Look at confirm one. and yeah. now hold in our hands a copy of one. There's a second one, apparently, uh, that was, that they, it was, it was outlined in that response and that Fitz News had been reporting. We, uh, nobody we've been able to talk to about it can say one way or the other to us that it's authentic and can tell us anything about it who you know on the record any sort of confirmation on that not that we're questioning its authenticity from anyone anyone else reporting it it's just it just being transparent here like yeah we've seen it we know it exists we're trying to we know we're, we've tried our best to independently confirm it before we get on here and talk about it and not just parrot and repeat what you've seen elsewhere or heard elsewhere um uh, so, but we, with at least for the second ethics complaint, we've been a, unable to do that. I, what I, I, I just wanted to real quick make a circle back to the kind of the nexus of all this, which would be Becky's book, Behind the Doors of Justice, the Murdoch murder trial. Um, I, we, very early on in this, when we got, when it was so, when it was so, deeply talked about with the jury tampering stuff and the accusations and, for, and the motion for the retrial. We reached out to the State Ethics Commission at that time, and then at that point, yeah, they, they told us, yes, we asked for a copy of uh, a formal opinion that was issued by the State Ethics Commission on whether Becky could write the book and whether it would be an ethics violation to write the book and publish the stuff she put, put in it. Uh, and that I'm just reading from the the opinion itself here, which we have a copy of, and this has been out there for a while, but in the opinion of the commission staff, it seems unlikely writing a book would fall within your official responsibilities as clerk of court, and that would mean it's not then necessarily unethical for her to write the book, but it did put the honest... Boy, that's a double, triple negative. I was like, yeah. wait, is that unethical or is it not not unethical? It's not, un it's not on its face unethical for her, for her as a clerk of court to write a book about a trial that, she, that was under her purview as clerk of court in the county. But they, they did caveat it, right? And they said, you know, it's ultimately up to you, Becky Hill, to look at these criteria and – did you and decide for yourself whether you can go forward with the book? And this, what those were were public materials. Did Becky use a government issued uh, device or her her position? What what uh, anything that was allocated to her or she, unless right. it was incidental? Did she use it to well, contribute it. to the book at all? Yeah, right. Bring, uh, yeah. Um, 
that, that, that really brings back some memories here. And you know, I talked about this ethics officer. It wasn't a formal person. It was, it was somebody Dr. I went to routinely to ask questions. But it does bring back a memory because when I, that's back, way back in the day when computers were coming in, cell phones were coming in, and, you know, when you're a public official, and Becky would be in this role, you know, personal, public, you're back and forth, where's where. And I ended up, and it turned out to be one of the best things I ever did, I decided, like, I don't know what's personal or private here. It, you could say this. So every month I put $100 in the gen our general fund for my personal to say, if someone accuses me of using the, something, there's a documentation of $100 to cover any would-be expense. And sure enough, within just a couple months of starting to do that, I got this big, huge, I won't name the names here, but it was uh, someone not friendly accusing <laughs> of an ethical. So, okay, whatever the mountain question was, I think, minimal. Here's my, I think at that point in time, I was well ahead of that. Show them the documentation of how I've re reimbursed the state far in excess of what you're complaining about. So it went away. So it's almost too bad that Becky didn't think about or so, think sort of proactively. She's in, a, in the hot seat, so to speak, a public official. She's at a really high level now. She's writing a book. It's just too bad there wasn't some way she had some defensive mechanisms in place there that would prohibit or, or protect her going forward and oh, but here we are or just not having your son as the IT director may that, help too <laughs> yes well do we think yeah that's another question was he asked to do this or did he did it on his own that's yeah question. and that, that's where we get in, in where it's going to be, become speculation uh, on uh, on as far as the, the criminal side of it what who knew what and and is uh, Again, I, I mentioned earlier, we've been told through the ongoing state investigation into this, there's evidence that on the day that the county learned that there was something nefarious going on with the, with the internal communications and that they were possibly being monitored, it's alleged that, and, and this baffles me, and, and I've, I, I've spoken with people who've told me this and I've asked them to repeat it and triple and double clarify this to make sure that I'm not uh, because it baffles me but the idea that according to state <laughs> according to this investigation that's ongoing and what's been what's been revealed and what's been uh, shared uh, with people involved and people in the know is that apparently on the day that it, it all started to unravel, Becky went to a cell phone carrier service, like I guess a Verizon or a AT&T and said, Hey, you know, this plan that my number is attached to take it off that plan. And it's a County plan. And like how that even happens. And, and like, I, I don't, You've got some good sources here. Uh, uh, keep it up. Yeah. It sounds like we've got another podcast uh, but, coming but it, soon. It's yeah, almost, I think so. It's almost, too, yeah. it's almost too crazy to believe. Uh, uh, like, it is. Uh, but her phone uh, was seized. And does, does this, uh, is Becky now going to face some sort of charges in, in all this um, in, in connection to her son? It, it's just. It's. It's a lot. Yeah. Well, well, thinking out loud, too, just to wrap this up, yeah, too, yeah. whoever's prosecuting this case, right? I mean, if it's the attorney general's office or local prosecutor, typically in a prosecution, you want to get to the bottom of things. So mm -hmm. is there an inherent conflict? Do they really want to get to the bottom of where all this goes relative to the clerk, since that's mm -hmm. their star witness in preserving the Murdoch verdict? You would like to think that, that the chips fall where they may. 
but I'm sure they've discussed that, and there's at least the appearance of a possible conflict there, which I suspect we'll probably be hearing from the defense attorneys at some point on, too. Yeah. I think we will, yeah. and I think it's going to start coming together uh, in the new year. Honestly, mm -hmm. I think uh, I, you never. Why do I even pretend to know <laughs> right what saying. is going Agreed. to happen in that timeline? Uh, amen. But uh, I guess for everybody's um, well-being, I'll just say perhaps this will happen in the mm -hmm. new year, yeah. uh, as opposed to all the way through the Christmas holidays. Right. Which, we're not. Yeah, we're not probably going to be able to get back together again before. Right. Uh, it'll be January sometime before we're all probably back in a room together. Um, so, Merry Christmas, Happy yeah, Holidays. Happy thanks holidays. for thanks for listening. We're we're gonna work we're going to be working somewhat on this even if in the background while we're yeah. enjoying uh, ham and Chris Santa Claus and all that good stuff which so. is a great point so stay with abcnews4.com online stay with uh, Drew and Charlie and my own Twitter uh, you can find it we'll keep them in this podcast keep uh, you know as much as you can you know we're always open for any dialogue so uh, you can always find us on our Twitter if you've got questions you can ask us directly and we'd love to hear from you. Uh, but for now, I'm going to sign off because I know we've all got to get on the air in just a little bit. So uh, we will be back with you as soon as possible. And certainly as we have new breaking information about this, we're going to be sharing it with you as soon as possible, as quickly as possible. So I'm signing off for possibly 2023. I'm not promising, but possibly. I'm Ann Emerson. I have Charlie Condon with me, Drew Tripp. Maxwell Harrison running the world behind us um, and keeping us straight on the camera and everything that, that ends up on our podcast. So thanks so much, and we'll see you soon.